Welcome to Take 'em or Leave 'em, the MF Report, the only unauthorized Mex Flintio fan podcast. I am your host, Salt M. Bank. I also have my fantastic co-host, Lan, and uh, and maybe there's a little more going on, maybe a little less, maybe you don't know. But I guess we'll have we, to see. I guess we'll have to see. How you doing today, Lan? I'm good. I'm, you know, just living life uh, energetically on a Sunday afternoon. Um, I'm pissed. Well, no, I'm not pissed, actually. That's a lie. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit worried, I think, is the best way. Because this is an about? emergency. This is an emergency podcast. This is an emergency. We'll get right down to it. This is yeah. a, uh, how do I put this, ancillary um, an extension, unauthorized, as we said, yeah, yeah, yeah of the, the Mex Flintio uh, auditory universe. And we're going to get it right out of the way. We are here for critical support of our boys, our Latin yeah. boys. We are here oh, for yeah. them. We're not here. We're not here to usurp. Some may no. think that we're here to usurp. We're not here to usurp. Critical support only. So we, we have a pretty full agenda for everything we want to get to, um, largely encompassing our critical support for our boys. But while we're here, we got, uh, we got some of our own shit. Well, uh, well, yeah, let's start with an acknowledgement. All right. So, <clears throat> sorry, this is where the music comes in, and then I'm hyping myself up. And All right, so shout out to Northampton. Shout out to Alan Moore. We know DC keeps fucking you every single year, every single month. And remember, pay David Aya. Pay Saad Ribich. And most of all, do not pay De- Declan Shalvey. <laughs> shout out to the Twitter stands that told me to go kill myself. And shout out to Warren Ellis, the musician, not the writer. So, little known fact, I mean, I might as well spill the beans. We tried recording this a couple weeks ago. Um, and Lucky we for you. Yeah, we shit the bed. We fucking shit the absolute bed. But it's okay, because we're here, and we're doing this better. Yeah, so you won't get to see Salt mess up and mix up the two Ellis's this time. Um, <laughs> like you did last time. <laughs> but uh, speaking of last time, and speaking of Ellis specifically, so last time, you're not going to ever hear this. You might. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I brought up that I was getting emails from Warren Ellis, the writer, not the musician, um, because... I had an old email that I had subscribed to his orbital operations pod or newsletter with. uh, And I kind of just forgot to unsubscribe on that one. Um, And it turns out that he has started or restarted uh, the newsletter on button down uh, as of February. And I only realized this because I looked at my junk folder where and what, what's he telling you in these emails? Okay, so last time I didn't actually read the emails, uh, but this time I decided, well, we're going to do, do this again. We're going to go at it straight. Um, so I figured I might as well just read the email this time um, before actually going into it. And it turns out that my inbox auto-deletes junk emails. Um, so I actually had to go to button down and look through the archives to find the email that he sent. Um, he sent multiple emails since, but the basic gist of it is um, there is good progress in so far as reparations with um, the 
victims of the uh, So Many of Us group. Uh, turns out that they put out an update on January 31st of this year, and it says that they're making good progress on rehabilitative uh, change with Ellis. Um, and then he just kind of goes on with the news. You know, just the usual orbital operations stuff that came out before he, it came out that he <laughs> was an abuser. So, do you, do you think he's making any meaningful progress with that? I, it's tough to tell because, again, this right. is just like one missive. And he's probably not going to go deep into, you know, the past year or two of his life um, yeah. while writing uh, a, a newsletter. So, yeah. who knows? Well, but, uh, I mean, again, the So Many of Us page does indicate that they have reached good progress or are making good progress with Alice. So, I think that's just good to keep, you know, trusting in their judgment. I think if anything changes, they'll be the first ones to let us know. Yeah, um, I mean, this Alice, is... I mean, this, the nice thing is that like it's not like Ellis has immediately jumped back into work. Um, like Castlevania, the sequel series Nocturne was announced a couple days ago, and he is not the executive producer of that series, nor is he the writer. Um, so that one's actually being written by a guy named Clive Bradley. Um, I think that that's all uh, pretty surprising in the best way. You know, I think we yeah. really get used to uh, we, we get used to the continuation of the status quo. So um, that's I think that's all good. So you know, we're we're here to talk some comics. Uh, okay, hold on. One, one some, last thing. One last thing about yeah. that. I just wanted to note that he ends all his newsletters with just W, like his his signature is just W. Which, you know, is ironic for a guy who's been taking L's for the past two years. All right, moving on. <laughs> it's dress for the job you want, newsletter style. Yeah, um, exactly. So, yeah, we're here to talk comics. We've got some other forms of entertainment we're going to throw at you. Um, yeah. Lan, question for you. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. You've seen any good movies? Yeah, I've seen. I've been, I'm going to keep it real with you. I've been watching movies. Are you um, film buff? I wouldn't call myself a film buff. I shower. Um, <laughs> so this past week, I decided to dip my toes back into Indian cinema, and I watched a movie that has received a lot of hype across social media recently. That's right. I watched Vikram, the Tamil movie starring Kamal Hassan. How was that? Yeah. It was actually pretty good. Um, uh, it's been a while since I've actually watched any sort of like Indian movies in theaters. So it was a pretty good experience. Um, great bombast. Very, very gonzo. Um, the politics Would you call were... this an action movie? Hmm? Would you call this an action movie? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's a lot of action. And the nice thing is it's not like super buff dudes fighting. It's like this... Because, again, the lead star is 67 years old. He's got a yeah. nice, you know, like gut going on there. Um, but it's not like Steven Seagal fighting. It's like actual choreography and whatnot, which is really cool to see. Um, just comparing to the West, cause we're going to be doing that a lot, uh, in the coming moments. <laughs> uh, it's comparing to the West where everyone's like this bronze and chiseled God. So to just see, you know, like a bunch of dudes with beer bellies, you know, like Sammo hung types actually yeah, I say fighting, you know? Well, there's a lot of really key uh, aesthetic differences in those um, in 
Indian action movies. I, I saw a superhero one once. I, I, and I'm sorry it escapes me, but there were like five of them. Um, this guy has like a mask and a long jacket. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to keep it real with you. And this is what I'm going to get at right now. When you <laughs> try and pin down something in Indian cinema, because um, here's the thing. A lot of people think that Indian cinema is just Bollywood. And that is like the furthest thing from the truth. From here on out, if I ever say Bollywood, I'm probably just encompassing the whole of Indian cinema. But um yeah, Indian cinema is compi- comprised of several different mini Hollywood types because it has a large. Pa- it- Krish, yeah, I've seen Krish. <laughs> it was a good movie. Um, anyways, <laughs> yeah, it's comprised of smaller, smaller cinemas of the, their own, each representing um, a sort of language. Um, yeah, so. I, and I wanted to go off on that a little bit. There's there's another uh, action famous action movie you saw recently yeah. coming from that region. Yeah, so similar region, not the exact same zone. So what Vikram is a Hollywood movie. So Hollywood encompasses all Tamil movies. Um, Got it. Why why it's not called Hollywood is because Hollywood has already been taken by the Telugu. Uh, industry and the Telugu industry is what we're going to be talking about today because that's right, RRR has found itself some popularity, um, and some controversy, and some controversy in the Western audience recently. Um, I figured I'd just bring it up here just because uh, a lot of people have been making comparisons about what cinema should and shouldn't be through the lens of this movie and. Honestly, it's just elicited a lot of eye rolls for me. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong. RRR is, like, a fine movie by, like, Indian cinema standards. Um, And, you know, like, it's a very successful movie. I think it's, like, the third most, like, third most profitable movie in all of Indian cinema. Um, So, you know, like, I don't want to discount that. But at the same time, I feel like the West is making a far greater deal out of this movie than they honestly should be. And why do you think that is? Uh, I think it's just a myopic point of view of what cinema is and isn't, as well as what a culture influences within its own cinema. Um, Because to talk about Indian cinema, you have to really go into the culture of India itself. Um, And that goes into things like, the politics because you know it's run by a very right-wing nationalistic uh government um that you know prioritizes things like disenfranchising religious and caste uh groups uh like in namely uh muslims recently there's been a lot of legislation to discriminate against them um and yeah that bleeds into the work uh it's tough these days to find any Indian movie that isn't inherently political, if that makes any sense. I mean, that could be argued by any media, but it's so intrinsic to the movie itself, but also the culture surrounding the movie. Um, because, you know, well, like Indian movies aren't just movies. They're like celebrations. You know, like when right, I watched now, the movie, there wasn't like, there was very few times where the theater was actually quiet. You know, like when a person would show up, you know, they'd be like 
hooting and hollering. And, you know, like the beginning, they have uh, the credits, which are like crazy. Everyone just goes crazy when they see their favorite movie star's name. It's yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Um, And the culture is so deeply baked into it. But it's also the one thing that Western audiences seem to not want to really acknowledge when it comes to RRR. Yeah, I want to kind of delve into that point a little bit. Now, when you say a lot of these movies are political, would it be fair to go one step further? (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, are we talking about like fascist themes or fascist symbols or fascist stories in these movies? Well, not necessarily. Um, Again, my lens of Indian cinema is primarily through Hollywood. Um, But a lot of the politics there deal with like corrupt governments and sort of like like Vikram for instance the politics in that movie is that the main character spoilers I guess um wants to get rid of drugs in India that are ruining you know like poor communities it's you know like as far as politics go it's pretty tame um but you know it's like a driving force within the movie and you'll have like segments where the main character will just go on and on about this, this like, um, this sort of like drive that's pushing them to, you know, like kick ass and take names. But there are other movies that do lean towards a sort of nationalism. In in a way, I think the best way to describe it is in with RR specifically. I think it is far more in tune to something like the Ip Man series. Mm-hmm. Where it's mythologizing people that actually existed and taking that cultural context and putting it deep into the movie. Yeah, when I watched Ip Man, I was like, this is the Chinese analog of Captain America, except it's good. Yeah, it's like, it's crazy because Ip Man was like a real guy. You know, at right, the end right. of the day, that's something you have to realize is like with RR and Ip Man and all those movies, these are real people. Right, you just make them bulletproof for the cinematic version. Right, exactly. And in RRR's case, they actually do whitewash the characters. So, like, there's this character, Beam, who is sort of seen as this, like, wild, sort of uncivilized character. But in reality, in, like, in real life, he was actually a very civilized, well-educated man. But the thing is, when you take into consideration caste and religion, this is where that sort of bias bakes itself in because at the end of the day beam who is of this lower cast should be seen as a hero but he shouldn't be seen as as much of a hero as he was in real life now that ties into my last question i had about rrr yes now i saw it on netflix and i was like oh i want to watch this however in our conversations you had told me that the version on Netflix, the Hindi version, yes. was akin to something like whitewashing. Um, can you tell me a little I'm, bit more about that? I guess I should probably reiterate that it's not exactly like whitewashing. I think it's just a Oh, you are fucking canceled now. You are, I'm sorry. Are, I'm sorry. I'd be, I'd be spreading misinformation uh, like crazy. No, the, the, the difference is that with Telugu movies specifically... Um, Telugu is not the uh, official language. Well, it is an official language of India, but it's not the most prominent language in India. And again, this bleeds into the whole idea of like Bollywood usurping 
um, all other forms of Indian cinema as like the or or cinema. Um, whereas, you know, here, even though the answer is benign, the only reason why they're putting it in Hindi on Netflix is to sell you on a whole other service where you can actually watch it in Telugu. Um, <laughs> is the Hindi Netflix version dubbed or just did they it's reshoot dubbed. It's dubbed. Okay. Um, Got it. But the other thing is like, most of these things are dubbed regardless, <laughs> yeah. you know, like ADR and whatnot. But anyways, that's besides the point. I guess the thing is like with Netflix getting the Hindi version, that's the version that most people in the West are going to see because, you know, like they're not going to be going out of their way to buy the Z. I think it's the Z E E five. I don't know. Anyways, they're not going to go out of their way to buy that extra service just to watch the one movie. So they're just going to go to the one that's most accessible to them. In that case is the Hindi version, which kind of just supplants this idea that RRR is a Hindi movie. Ergo, it's a Bollywood movie when in reality, I I think that's a common misconception amongst my fellow whites. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I think we've said a lot of uh, good stuff about Vikram and RRR. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we move on, Lan? Um, yeah, oh, the, the military-industrial complex aspect of it, because a lot of people are compla- uh, comparing this to the MCU and how media should and shouldn't be. Uh, mm. So first off, stop. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like these are two completely different types of of, of media and, you know, like comparing one to the other and saying that one isn't, you know, like this is just the MCU, but better. Or like this is superhero movies, but better. It kind of just like completely foregoes. Um, <laughs> the culture I'm getting some, real, get some real boss baby vibes from this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting a lot of, getting a lot of Captain America. You, you did this earlier. You did this earlier. You know, when you said it, man was like, the Chinese Captain America. Yeah, and I'll just say I did. I, I'm not going to deny it. I'm <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're idiot. canceled now. You're canceled now. Let's go. Um, yeah, so that's one aspect of it. But a lot of the other aspects of it is seeing the hypocrisy of people who would otherwise criticize the MCU for its like militaristic roots, you know, like all the partnership with the DOD and, you know, all that jazz. And then, yeah. you know, unabashedly going to Cape for RRR, which is so baked in the sort of like, it's not inherently nationalistic, but it is nationalistic. It spurs on nationalistic ideals, uh, I think is sure. the best way to put it. Put it. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's just, it's blindness. And I think the, the, the final word I have to say is just like, when you're watching movies from other places in the world do a bit of research at least into those cultures because not only is it going to inform you know how you watch the movie but it also informs how you understand the movie and acknowledge the movie outside of just the work itself if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I think that would be good advice for everybody because otherwise I just watch every movie and I say oh this is a uh... This is Mexican Captain America. This is Canadian Captain America. That, that's actually how I watch all my movies. Yeah. Honestly, everything is just a spinoff of Captain America. <laughs> Anyways, Captain Indian cinema is great. Indian cinema is great. RRR by Indian cinema standards is a fine movie. Um, but please expand your horizons. Watch Indian movies. Uh, don't, don't, go, don't, don't go to me to, for, for recommendations because... I'm still only just starting to get back into them after going on hiatus for like a few years. 
Well, I, I don't know if I'll go to you to rec- for recommendations, Land, but yeah, I don't. do appreciate your you know cultural commentary here because I really don't know any of this, and like all I see is like what the the discourse I see online, and I see lots of like really broad generalizations about movies like RRR, and it's like. I, I can't look at that and say right or wrong. I just, as a Westerner, like I know like, okay, these are Westerners interpreting this movie. So okay. I, I, I'm really glad to hear you sharing like what, what a lot of the nuance here. And I know we're really just scraping the surface as it is. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. And I think there's a, already a lot of think pieces in a sort of like Indian critic sphere that touch on this way deeper and way better. Yeah. Yeah, do do go and search for that because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here giving you recommendations. We're running out of time. We're we're all running out of time till that big uh, that big chill or the big crunch comes from the center of the universe and it all implodes. Anyway, moving on. There was a uh, well, you know what? I'm just gonna say it now. We have a uh, a third mic. That's true. That's you true. didn't you know been, that. You've been scamboozled. You thought it was just us two, but it turns so, out there was a third one. Why don't you introduce yourself? The whole time uh, I've been listening to the lovely conversation. Uh, yes, hello. I am Twitter user Paracelsus, also on the show today. Uh, very happy to be here. I guess if you're listening to this, there's a very, very high possibility you know who I am. But if you don't, um, I'm generally just uh, an NPC on the uh, game that is Twitter. And... I just participate and... That's yeah. a lot of hubris. I'm just going to say up front, that's a lot of hubris. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're just setting yourself up for failure here. No, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 generally, uh, I generally don't... Um, I guess I'm not like under any... Um, how do I say this? I, I tend to assume... No, no, no. no. <laughs> I tend to assume that like the, the audience of like people yeah we have no idea who this is who this is going to honestly who care about comics enough to listen to comics podcasts is like not the widest net you could ever cast so there's there's a fair chance it's not the widest net w-i-d-e-s-t and it's not the whitest net (laughs) o-i-d-e-s-t gotcha well there's another reason there's another reason i'm glad we have you on Paracelsus. Do you prefer para or Paracelsus? Uh, para, please, yeah. Right, para. Uh, use my art for identification. Yeah, there's, so there's another reason I'm glad we have you on, because uh, I, is, as far as my relationship to comics goes, like I'm largely like a fan and or critic. I don't know, I'm a consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do write and draw occasionally, but it's it's so sparingly now with everything else I do. I, I can't, I don't really call myself a comics artist and oh, okay. uh I, I think of the three you're really I, not to speak for you land but i think you're the only one here who's like a full-on comics maker right yeah i guess you oh, could yeah. say that even though I, I i need to get better about saying that but uh, i'm glad you <laughs> I, I'm that's why i'm that. saying it bud. <laughs> yeah yeah i guess you can say that yeah no disagreements so we, we have a bona fide comics artist with us here today yeah that's mm, right in the flesh all right, so we got Para here. We got we got the boys. The the smoke is cleared. The the pigeons have cleared. We had our really uh, dramatic John Woo entrance. We got we got a topic we're gonna talk about today. Isn't that right? Oh yeah, it's an emergency topic. It's an emergency. But you know, like we said, we recorded already for this show, and uh, 
shit the bed. It's in the past. Yeah. But I'm glad we've got... not just been here for this podcast. Barrett has been here for the <laughs> other recording, too. <laughs> but I'm, got I'm double scamboozled. I'm glad we put some past between us, because I, I felt when we first talked about this before, we were in like a, you know, kind of a react space. And I don't know mm. if you can ever truly escape that, but... I, I'm, I've been able to meditate on this a lot, and um, I, I think we can now look at this this series in a little bit more of a, um, a, a historical context with where comics are going. And that is, we are talking about action comics. Oh, yeah. The action comics. So, dust is cleared. We've got par with us. And we are talking action comics today. Specifically, we are talking the recent run by one Philip Kennedy Johnson. I'll never forget the artists, never forget the colorists, maybe forget the letters. But yeah, I mean, there, there's good reason here to, to like focus this on the, the writer. But yeah, thank you for mentioning <laughs> there's, the, the there's artist. Great reason to forget the letters. <laughs> <laughs> this is an anti lettering space. Watch yeah, out. This is, this is not a safe space for letters. Um, so there, there's a lot to cover here, uh, a lot I think that is important to all of us. But before we go into any of these... Uh, Do you want me to give these, a summary of like the... Exactly. The yeah, can you just give us a quick all right. minute... The minute rundown. Summary. The rundown of Action Comics. So the Philip Kennedy Johnson run started with issue number 1029. So around this time, he was writing both the Superman run and the Action Comics run concurrently so superman he wrote from issues 29 to 32 uh which is also just set up for what he's writing now um from john's perspective that was then later rebooted into superman son of kal-el uh written by tom taylor you know that just deals with the great stuff like school shootings uh with absolute tacit understanding and respect for the subject uh, anyways, PKJ kept going with Action Comics, and he is currently on issue 1044, 1044, which comes out at the end of this month, which is June. Um, so this current arc that he's in is called the War World arc. Uh, it started with issue 1036. Um, so some quick things about War World. Uh, last recording, I was completely in the dark about what war world actually was uh turns out it's existed since the 80s it was created by len ween and jim starlin um so you can get a good understanding of how subtle the nuance is when it comes to to war world and this primarily focuses on the character mongol um but guess what turns out so all these nuances mongol <laughs> so it turns out that Sorry. this character mongol uh not to be confused with mongols you know m-o-g-o m-o-n-g-o-l-s uh this is m-o-n-g-u-l is not the first mongol to fight superman nor is he the second mongol he's actually the third mongol to ever fight superman and he is the son of mongol one again do not question me on the continuity dc's already fucking that up enough you know, Dark Crisis, Infinite Frontier, Death Metal, Dad Metal. Fuck. I mean, I'm I'm way more out of the loop than you are. And like when I read through this series, uh, for me, it was just like, what if you did Superman as Conan the Barbarian? Oh yeah, and you can really get those vibes later on as Federici joins. But we'll get on, we'll get onto that uh, later. 
Uh, so last time I didn't read a damn thing uh, from this run uh, just because I wanted to be cool and crass and learn from you guys. But this time I've done some reading and specifically I've read four issues out of, out of the 15 uh, PKJ has written for this series. Uh, and those are issues number 1035, 1036, 1039, and 1043. Now, Salt, I understand that you've also read some issues. Which ones are those? Red is a very charitable verb there, but I mean, I, I skimmed too, buddy. I skimmed too. I'm not I ain't reading this. Reading. I ain't reading this shit deep. Not even reading. My ass is um, not reading. <laughs> not reading. No, um, yeah, I actually skipped the dialogue balloons to honor the artists better. Um, no, uh, I read ten forty, ten forty one, and ten forty two. And Para, which ones did you read? I read 10.37 and 10.38, like, seconds before jumping so, on this So, readers at home, uh, f- <laughs> for those keeping count, that means that across the three of us, we've all read this entire run. From yeah, 10.35 to, to 10.43, mm-hmm. you know, we, yeah. we've read this entire arc, so we know what we're doing, uh, is what yeah. I'm trying to say here. Well, and we're not necessarily interested in covering all the story beats. I, I think what yeah, I really want to look at with it. Yeah, I want to look at this comic broadly in terms of what's it aesthetically trying to accomplish? What's it thematically trying to accomplish? Does it do that? And then how that affected readers, specifically online readers, and then this weird loop that was suddenly formed where that affected our uh, dear Mr. Johnson. Does that sound good? Do we want to get into it from there? Yeah. Yeah, Do I I start with the, uh, the precursor, the prelude to all this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it turns it. out that everything from 1035 to the beginning of PKJ's tenure uh, was actually just set up for the War World stuff, uh, including his future state stuff, which, again, Salt, you can get into that after. <laughs> <laughs> but 1035 is where I started. And that's the big daddy goes to war issue. So that's where he's telling everyone, oh, I got to I got to go save another world. Um, I think we gotta we gotta pause on that daddy bit for a second. Uh, I, I mean this as a compliment. I think this is one of the strengths of the comic. Uh, this is one of the gayest Superman comics I've ever seen. <laughs> this is like okay. Super here's the thing. Daddy. I think it's I think it is simultaneously the most homosexual Superman and also the straightest Superman. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, just because the content versus the visuals, there is so much dissonance there. Superman's great to look at is basically what we're all trying to get at here. If, you, if you're looking for a big, hairy Kryptonian bear, this is your comic. I mean, you could also just read Superman and the Authority, but... <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was my first thoughts when I actually started reading So I'm like, wow, he looks just like the, the old Graham Morrison Superman and the Authority Superman. I was expecting, you know, the, the 1996 Michael Jordan Superman, not the Washington Wizards... Jordan Superman, but this one was like a bit rounder, had like some gray, uh, some some gray temples. Like I'm like, okay, is this a not quite chiseled? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a it's like a more senior Superman, and he's talking about his son a lot, which is very and uh, it's funny that you bring up the authority because again, we'll we'll get into that with some of the later issues, but I just think about the shock of anyone that went from reading Superman and the authority to this run, thinking that they're oh, going to get man. like a nice follow-up to that book. Mm. 
Condolences. <laughs> Condolences. I gotta say, moment of silence. Well, I mean, that book was such a shit show anyway. Like, yeah. you're not gonna get any nice follow up. Yeah, that's true. You I mean, mean it, the Grant Morrison book was difficult to follow up on. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. That's incredible. <laughs> okay, so 1035. Um, again, I made the mistake of not reading anything prior to this. Um, so it turns out that this was actually the end of an arc. Um, called War World Rising, unsurprisingly. Great names, by the way. The <laughs> names in this entire run, fan-fucking-tastic. They rule off the tongue. So it starts with Mongol using Tao La, who is, I think, a Kryptonian. Again, I'm not... My ass is not reading. Uh, so he's using Tao La to defeat Superman by holding her family hostage, which is a great comics plot beat a real classic this is a lovely setup it's a I lovely mean, it doesn't setup. get better than that and you know like her family's being held hostage as slaves of course so you know the resolution to this is superman is like super angry and he's like damn i gotta go save the slaves and for the record so he fights as a gladiator yeah so he fights as a gladiator gladiator so you know full disclosure i am pro superman saving slaves i don't want to be taken the wrong way when I say that Superman should be sla- saving slaves, you know, I think that's good. I think that's morally a good thing. So you're telling me Superman is not a colonizer. No. How could he? How could he be? <laughs> How could he be? There's this nice big scene where Taula breaks her chains, you know, like in a very similar iconography to that one picture that we all know or that one drawing we all know of uh, Superman breaking out of his chains. It's a nice callback. And of course, this apparently also leads into this Batman, Superman, and the Authority one-shot that I didn't bother to read. I don't know if anyone bothered to read. If you did, let us know. This is news to me. I didn't even know that existed. (laughs) Trust me, I didn't know this existed until I skimmed through this issue either. Uh, And the issue ends with him saying goodbye to Lois with some banging super sex. I should note, this issue is drawn by Daniel Semper who's currently drawing uh, uh, Dark Crisis, uh, which my ass is not also not reading. And yeah, the art's pretty good here. Um, you know, like it's it's pretty house-styly, I guess. Um, but in terms of just getting the story across in like a very nice, evocative manner, I think he does a great job. Um, yeah, so that's issue 1035, which then goes into 1036, which I guess... My big note there is that it advertises itself as a Superman and the Authority follow-up on the cover itself. You know, it uses the same logo as that mini. You know, like, it advertises, you know, like, Superman is fighting alongside the Authority on War World. There isn't really much to say about this uh, issue. Uh, There is this nice little field of crucified slaves just to really hammer home this idea that Mongol... Not a good guy. And Superman, very good guy. All right? There are crucified slaves. How, how, how could Superman be a colonizer when the other guy is crucifying slaves? (laughs) Stop all of this. And they're accusing him of God knows what. Yeah, come on. Uh, The other big note I have from this issue is that there's a nice little funny bit about Superman getting Botox. Uh, super Botox, I should say, from the authority. <laughs> That's so cool. So I guess because Mongol breaks the illusion uh, in one of their fights, and you know, like prior to this, Superman looks like his normal, regular self, like regular in quotations. 
but throughout the battle, he transforms visually into that daddy Superman that we all know of now. Yeah, he gets he gets like the Benedict Cumberbatch like hair transplants, but like Kryptonian. Yeah, you know, some people would call this a downgrade. I consider this an upgrade. the The plot reason for it is that he's he has radiation poisoning, and I'm sorry, uh, the Enchantress has been juicing him up power wise, and Manchester Black has been using illusions. To maintain the illusion that Superman is young and spry. And Mongo has now broken that illusion and shown Superman as he truly is. uh, With gray hair and uh, a slightly rounder body. (laughs) He has broken broken the Western ideals. Mongol has broken the Western ideals (laughs) of beauty. God bless. Mongol Mongol decolonized Superman. Yeah, Mongol (laughs) decolonized. Exactly. This is post-colonial text right here. I would love to spend this whole time talking about these outer space alien uh, challenges to Western beauty paradigms. But uh, let's keep it going with some of the um, let's talk about metaphors, I guess, that continue in this story. Especially with Paris stuff. And Paris, this is where you start. You can really chime in because. (laughs) So the the main thing that I was confronted with as soon as I read the issues that I read, which were, again, 1037 and 1038, was that the first words that greeted me on the page were, at last, a day of reckoning for the barbarians at our gates. Mm. Let's go! I'm hearing this with with no context of the story. I'm just like, this is my introduction. Like, hell yeah, dude. Like, let's get into it. Birth of a Kryptonian nation. Let's go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What I met with is this sort of... um, this sort of like cabal. There's like a there's like a round table of what we're supposed to assume are, you know, very high ranking world to do people of this alien civilization. And these people are basically satisfied that Superman is finally about to confront this Mongol person. They are very, you know, they're pleased with how the situation is unfolding. That uh Superman is their their champion, their, you know, He's their fist, and he's about to deliver justice on their behalf to this Mongol individual who we've just become acquainted with. And the thing that struck me when I was reading it was that, as far as we can tell, Superman isn't aware of this, which was a very sort of, like, interesting framing to me because the story is that Superman on his own is, you know, flying to this uh, alien world to, you know, save them. And we have these, you know, this interested third party who they say explicitly that they stand to benefit, you know, greatly from Mongol being, you know, defeated. So are we the reader meant to take away that Superman is like an unwilling tool for these, you know, this secret order? It it, it reminded me a lot of that uh, meme where it's like a newspaper cartoon and there's like this like illuminati table of like a bunch of dudes in suits and there's an alien like it, it was a very sort of like shady like round table of you know higher ups that were you know egging superman on to deliver their justice and as the issue went on it was your standard you new know, sort of like you know superman is you know trying to basically suss out mongo's deal you know he he, he says at one point you're not the mongo i knew and that's when I realized that, oh, okay, so Mongol is like, it's like a generational thing. There was a Mongol who was, and this guy's Mongol who is. And there's lots of that stuff there. 
And the art, as you guys say, was very, you know, it was a very interesting color palette. It was lots of reds, lots of um, very textured line work that really drove home the, the grittiness of the situation. Like, this, is, this isn't your, your nephew's Superman comic. This is, like, serious business. And the serious business continues because Mongo basically tells Superman that, like, he knows that Superman is Superman because uh, he gets his power from planet Earth's yellow sun, one of the most famous uh, elements of Superman. Like, he, he's powered by the sun. But Mongo tells Superman that on War World, things are different. This isn't Kansas anymore. The War World has a red sun, and Superman is in trouble. And he demonstrates this by, you know, swinging a big axe at Superman and it like it injures him and he draws blood and it's like, oh, wow, Superman is like actually in trouble. You know, he can't just like. He's mortal. He's um, not a mortal. He's not. Yeah. He's not a yeah. Ubermensch anymore. Mm-hmm. He's not the Superman anymore. He's just a dude. And that dude is in trouble because Mongol does not face any of those limitations. No clues. And Superman has. A bunch of allies with him, you know. Um, I believe these are who uh, the authority and the authority refers to. Uh, but I'm not familiar with them because I don't really read much DC. But these people are with Superman on this crusade. Sorry to call it a crusade, but I can't really think of a better word. So <laughs> these people are with Superman and they are, you know, fully prepared to fight Mongol with him. You know, they're, you know, about to engage Mongol. And when Superman is injured, all of a sudden it's like... It's like, oh my God, the, the, the tides have turned. And then the, the roundtable people who we saw earlier, all of a sudden they're like, what? We thought that Superman was the, you know, the dude that was going to just show in, get in there, you know, take care of everything and leave immediately. And we would benefit. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Superman is mortally injured. And uh, this uh, woman was, was wearing pink. Her name was Leah. She shows up and just immediately dies as soon as she shows up. And I was just like, wow, this is Always really a great incredible. Character being, you know? <laughs> like this, <laughs> this woman I mean, look. Who, she, she shows up to deliver one last message of encouragement and, you know. Don't worry, guys. Um, it could be great. Yeah, just immediately dies. No hope. She never stood a chance. Her body's just like completely crushed. The final shot of the issue is like her just violently disfigured body just laying out there lifeless and of course all of our emotion is supposed to be on like how superman feels about this because superman is really sad when this woman dies and we barely know her name but like superman is really sad about it and then well i would be really sad too to see pink cat killed like that mm -hmm, just like lifelessly cursed just dust and the issue ends sorry can i interject i just want to say the authority is uh, again, uh, a Warren Ellis uh, creation, I should say. Warren, Essen, Warren, mm-hmm. Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch. Uh, and it was oh, okay. the, the new team was created by uh, Morrison and Mikel Janin uh, for that mini. Uh, so, again, mm-hmm. that's like the new image of the authority, which I find is always super interesting. Is yeah. you know, like they're usurping this old idea of what <laughs> the authority is and should be and how they should act um, with the new. Well, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it is interesting to see how they're taking that concept from Superman and the Authority and running with it uh, poorly. Yep, I should say. Well, it didn't work that well in Superman and the Authority. I, I, mean, I mean, you you say it's interesting. I, I would argue the opposite. These are pretty. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm saying. I'm sorry. I, I had my comics critic 
hat on there for a second where I couldn't really come up with any, you know, like good qualitative assessment. You couldn't say anything. Other yeah. Than so, the you know, like it's interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> Book's interesting. Yeah. I don't know if it's good or not. I just know it's interesting. Yep. Certainly interesting. You could say a lot about it. Yeah. So basically the issue ends and our main takeaway is that what was supposed to be a very quick and easy reckoning where Superman just swoops in and delivers swift justice to this evil person gets very complicated. Superman is captured and the mission as we were is suddenly complicated and in the follow-up issue which i also read this is for those keeping track issue 1038 this issue is basically a very sort of um a very sort of jesus captured by the romans type of situation where Superman is imprisoned you know this uh, this crowd is chanting for him to be you know brought to justice for daring to to capture to to confront mongo i think mongo says that, that I found very interesting was that, <laughs> very interesting. I think Mongo said that really struck a chord with me and made me pay attention was that he, he pointed out that Superman came here to free all these slaves. But all these slaves that he came to free are now telling Mongo to kill him. These slaves that he came to liberate are begging their masters to eliminate the would-be source of their liberation. That can he not see how futile that is? Why? So, so this <laughs> is interesting. What? So, do we want to start talking about PKJ's threat on this because he does I actually? Mean, I, think yeah. a better time. I can't think I of a better go, time. I, I do want to go into PKJ's thread, but um, to, to segue just a little cleaner there, yeah. I'm going to mm-hmm. go into one of the issues I read, and instead of summarizing the whole thing, I'm just going to read uh, a page, just a few panels, and I think that'll take yeah. us to where we want. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you guys have done a really uh, clear retelling of how Superman is caught up in these gladiator battles and those poor, confused slaves are saying all kinds of silly things. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's this side cast we've alluded to, the, uh, the, the Justice League Z, because they're Z-listers. Yeah. Um, the, the only one I know is the Midnighter, and the issue I have here, I think it's 1040, is focusing on Midnighter's adventure, kind of like trying to put together a resistance group, I guess. So Midnighter is a start and shit, um, beating up guards on War World and rescuing people. Now, because Superman is kind of like an urban legend on this planet, people don't really know who he is. And for reasons, I don't give a fuck why, uh, Midnighter is wearing Superman's cape. So uh, that's all you need to know for this scene. Um, Someone asks, are you Superman, truly? He says, the name's Midnighter. Superman and I aren't really talking at the moment. Now, grab a weapon, and, and this is key. Midnighter takes a sword, breaks open the chains on one of the slave's arms, and that's where the shit hits the fan. Hell yeah. She goes, yeah. oh no, she goes, what have you done? Midnighter's <laughs> super confused, and uh, this, this formerly incarcerated slave Keep in says, mind, this is a black woman seeing all this. I, in, in this scene, in, in this scene, she's like orange. It's really hard to oh, tell. Oh, this is this is even the same one as. Oh wow! Sorry for jumping ahead. The, the, so there's more. Oh, hold on. There's there's more than one instance happening. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this one didn't Lord. get as much traction online. That's why I want to talk about oh, this one. And and <laughs> you're right, Tara. I I think I think this woman is black in the way that um. Uh, I'm blanking on her name right now. The actress in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, oh, Zoe Saldana. 
Yes, she's hmm. she's black the way Zoe oh, Saldana yeah, is black. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, I get, this I get. character black-coded. is orange but black coated. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. So Midnighter breaks the chains and she like just is really upset and he's like, huh? Big mistake, buddy. <laughs> Big mistake, buddy, because as Lan alluded to, we have kind of an inversion. We have a we have an aesthetic inversion of the power of the chains breaking. So she says, Who are you to break my iron? I blinded uh, Leonori for one of those. And then this this third man goes, uh, Iron's the only thing of value here, off-worlder. Touch not that what ain't yours. Now, this is, this is where we get some of the sensitivity of the issue, is uh, PKJ is, is writing Midnighter as the, um, the, the sort of naive colonizer, I guess. Just the white guy. Um, this woman says, yeah. Yeah. he's actually right. the missionary. Yes. So she's this freed woman says to Midnighter, taking irons worth more than your life here. Stupid stray. Then Midnighter says, yeah, boy, that chain sure is impressive. I didn't realize it was such an awesome accomplishment. I thought it was just a tool your evil God King uses to keep your back tired and your hands slow in case you ever figure out he's been filling your heads with lies this whole time. Guess I'll take what I came for and be on my way. If any of you get tired of wearing a leash and doing what you're told, you're welcome to come along. For the rest of you, showing off your chain while you tell me how tough you are doesn't land like you think it does. If you want to show me what you're made of, show me what you can do without it. This, and then our black-coated woman just kind of sits there pensively. This feels like he's like Slash two. End of yeah, it feels like he's like three seconds away about making a commentary about like people whose pants sag. You know, <laughs> it feels like he's at like. Yeah, speaking of coding, uh, it feels like a lot of the commentary here is racially coded, you know? I mean, well, I wanted to. This is the main point I want to make about that, real quick, is I, I think PKJ kind of knew some backlash would happen. And so he, I feel like he writes this page as like a preemptive defense. And he says, I mean, What you just read, read like a Twitter thread right now. That's always like end of thread. Yes. Like, Dude, this guy went <laughs> off, man. This guy, this guy, I mean, he, he made some he points. Went off. He like, made some damn, points. Yeah. He made some points. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really it, it's just so hollow, man. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's talk about the. Uh, I mean, th- there's so much to unpack and how fucking stupid those panels are. Um, so, so but, just to continue, just to continue chronologically at this point, if you've gotten to this point, you have probably gotten to where most people on Twitter reading, you know, this book got to when the sort of like noise started to you know bubble up from the hell dimension of comics twitter so as i understand it there was a a user by the name of dallas comics who made an observation about this book that Damn, we we're just calling out names here okay it wasn't like a call out it's just like giving the timeline i guess since we're actually describing like what actually happened and not like conjecture but anyway, so no opinion was offered in this thread, basically. Yeah, no opinion was offered. It was just an observation. It was like this. Someone observed that this book comes across as very imperialist. Mm-hmm. And that's before considering who the writer is. Just reading the book, this person has just come to a very innocent conclusion of that. You know, I've just read this book and the vibes here are giving colonizer vibes. Like, it's just, I mean, you can't shake the feeling. It's like a stench that you can't really, like, sniff away, you know? That's just, and, 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 and from what we've described, I mean, the, 
it's barely subtext at this point uh, with how we've been beating around the bush on it. I will say, okay, one thing though is like there is some point to it where it's not inherently a colonizer book. Um, mm, so you know, so let me just be clear: this isn't a colonizer book; it's an imperialist book. Yeah. <laughs> it's very imperialist. But again, this is comics Twitter where there is no real when it comes to these yeah. things so well and that's what i find so interesting about the midnighter scene is i think pkj sort of sets him up as this straw man of like oh well this is what a really dumb guy would do in this situation uh-huh. but i'm the woke guy and i would never just break the chains without yeah. asking because i essentially breaking the- chains yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i would never do the dumb thing i would do the smart woke progressive thing so like yeah so what what para is saying here is we've got some people sussing out that this this shit is sus yeah and 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 that's what takes us to the epic thread that pkj wrote to to, uh land do you want to take it away with this uh this thread oh yes i can do some nice little narration here um so i don't i don't want to do the the, the whole I'll, thing i'll do the, just, the let's get the main point i'll do the first one first just because i, I think sure. that really gets like uh the, the point across from the get-go so on may 19th 2022 at 10 52 p.m eastern standard time pkj philip kennedy johnson said so colon there was some noise earlier about superman being a a colonizer slash war world being Iraq in current hashtag action comics. I'm confident readers already know that's untrue, but with all the ruckus that followed, I think it's worth a few minutes to talk about what action actually is. Thread. (laughs) There is no thing that is more threatening on Twitter than seeing a tweet that either ends with thread (laughs) or the thread emoji. Caution, psychic damage incoming. (laughs) Caution, you are not, this is not a place of honor. So, for the record, this is a 22 tweet thread. A 22 tweet defense of his own work. Um, If you really want to read the whole thing, Lan told you how to find it. So, I'll do a a proper PKJ primer later, but uh, a primer of his activity on Twitter uh, is that he is a name searcher. He, Hell yeah. he loves searching for his name and seeing yeah. every single thing that is said about his work, be it positive Very or cool. negative. And it's crazy because he doesn't just name search, you know, like his full name, Philip Kennedy Johnson or Philip K. Johnson. He also Whoa. searches like PKJ. Whoa. So he, goes deep. he goes deep. I remember one time. I was trying to. I, didn't I was trying that. to say just PKJ because I thought you know, like, oh, it's just a an acronym. It's not like he's gonna find it. And the man, right? You're just found, trying to speed it up. Yeah, and the man That's found wild. the wild. Oh, this dude, is, I can't wait for him to listen to this. Yeah, so this be great. Is a guy, this is a guy who lets his work speak for itself. I think. Well, you can see that. I, I think it's the opposite. I think he lets himself speak for his work. <laughs> no, no, no. He's no. very confident. <laughs> No, he's a guy who's Ours. very confident in his in his in his writing. Mm, yes, he really he's very confident. Yeah. <laughs> Par is, is on another level here. I fully agree. He lets his work speak for itself because the the Twitter reacting is his like performance art. That's true. The comics is just what instigates it. This is the show, baby. Yeah, he's not getting paid to write comics. He's actually getting paid <laughs> for Twitter engagement. He, he's living the dream. And keep in mind, what I just find so crazy about all this is that just to reiterate. 
the whole premise of this thread is that comic fans were talking about a book that they read on Twitter. Right. No one even really mentioned his name per se. Yeah. This is what right. about a few dozen accounts, each with maybe 500, 600 followers. Max, Just like dis- a thousand. Dis- discussing, discussing a book that they read. Like, in a whole day of 24 hours... Just as everyone tweets all day, just they just randomly just tweeted about a book that they read, you know, just like we all do. And this guy was so confident in what he had done with that book <laughs> that he wrote a twenty-two <laughs> tweet thread addressing the noise. The noise. Well, that's what I love about it. He he, he <laughs> refers to all the tweets and critiques as noise. Yeah. Well, I he, mean, he these was, guys were basically flies buzzing around his head, and he's like, okay, let's finally just take care of this. Like, I've, I've like had let enough. me handle the riffraff. Yeah. <laughs> you guys you guys might call it noise, but this, it, it noise to you, sure. But this was like denying the lived experiences of the troops. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think this is a good point to, to read, like, my favorite bit from this thread. And, and mm-hmm. what, what, the reason I wanted to touch on this whole run and, PKJ's work at all is because of I think the, the trend it shows in in big two comics and specifically yeah. their relationship to like how they're getting movieified and all that. But um, I'll just dive right in. He says um, this isn't just about today, but FYI, saying comments like these expose an almost cartoonish bias. Re my work. Yes, I am currently active duty, but even if your assumptions about my views were not wrong, I don't use my work as a delivery system for that stuff. I'm a storyteller. Reading or hearing that I'm a soldier and then proclaiming to Twitter that my work is problematic, dropping little consider the writer comments, making super simplistic and Rishi parallels, it's not the thoughtful progressive move you think it is. There are well over a million of us in the U.S. Armed Forces. If you think we all have the same values, I don't know what to say to you. It is an extremely large and extremely diverse group. The people I work with directly every week are women, men, gay, straight, non-binary, trans. He did the, the, the Cuomo, I'm a, I'm a black woman thing. Um, <laughs> uh, all ethnicities read and pray and love and vote every kind of way. If you read Active Duty Army and think you've got me figured out, you are b- b- big wrong. <laughs> Action Comics has... <laughs> I'm almost done. He goes, Action Comics has nothing to do with my or your feelings on U.S. or global politics. Hell yeah. Go off, King. This guy's making a list and checking it twice because this guy knows everything that anyone has ever said about his He's work. got the I mean, playbook. Is... He, he wrote the playbook. He wrote the playbook, <laughs> you know, shuffled it to the masses, and they thought that they wrote the playbook. No, in reality, he wrote the playbook. They're just playing by his <laughs> rules. And well, what I yeah, go ahead. Well, I just what I was gonna say. What I find just so fucking twisted, what's so insidious about this is, is it it really ties into the the liberalism of uh, okay. U.S. foreign policy, which is that any agent of U.S. empire, whether you're a bureaucrat or an army member, it's this kind of like, hey, like I'm part of a lived experience as diverse as yours. I don't pretend to know your life. You don't pretend to know mine, but. Can't we assume we all want the same things? <laughs> so before we go any further, go any further, I feel like this is a good time uh, to give the audience a primer of who Philip Kennedy Johnson actually is. Because you might be wondering, well, oh, he's active duty army. What kind of work does he do for the army? Is he, you know, like a field troop? 
is he doing the kind of things that Tom King allegedly did? Uh, and the truth is, Philip Kennedy Johnson is a Sergeant First Class U.S. Army field band member. That's right. PKJ is a Army band member. Um, and, you know, before I go any further, I got to say, Mr. Kennedy Johnson, if you are watching this, I am a huge fan of your music. That man knows how to, like, play a trumpet. Like, God damn. <laughs> um, but anyways, putting that aside, <laughs> a lot of this information is actually found on an official uh, article written by the U.S. Army on their official website uh, where they announce him as the new Superman writer. Uh, and the title of the, the article is Super Soldier. DC Comics picks Army Musician as new Superman writer. And it gives, like, a nice little spiel about who PKJ is. You know, like, he has a master's degree in music. He joined the U.S. Army Field Band shortly after. And, you know, while he was doing that, he was also writing comics. And that's how he got, you know, his work into the hands of uh, DC Comics. <laughs> but there's this nice little segment, and I'll read this very quickly, that is very funny. And I think really speaks to the imperialist angle of everything. So it goes. In joining the Army Field Band, he began telling musical stories on a grander scale, traveling across the continental U.S. and telling the tales of the Army through song. Johnson said that the band connects with the public by telling personal stories of U.S. soldiers and historical figures. Recently, the band... Hashtag inspiring. Inspiring. Recently, the band posted an 18-minute musical tribute to Martin Luther King Jr. And then there's a nice little quote from Johnson where he says, Something the U.S. Army Field Band does that I think sets it apart is its use of narrative. The way that we tell personal stories helps us connect with the audience. Storytelling is something I believe in. Isn't that just inspiring? This guy is a storyteller, man. This man is I mean, a storyteller. You can't just put it in your diary. Yeah. This is someone who he, he knows how to reach out and touch the reader yeah. through narrative. How else can you put it? It's, it's beautiful. Honestly inspiring. It's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, mm. that's really what MLK would have wanted that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think this, the, the, the easiest way to, to hit this is not just the angle of rehabilitating army dudes in the comics industry, but also just talking about, again, we mentioned this with RRR, but like how the culture puts itself into the work uh, because, mm -hmm. you know, like as much as Mr. Johnson wants to say that his lived experience as an army member doesn't inform his work, it does, you know, like <laughs> as evidently it, it goes through the, his, you know, his pen and onto the page. And I think the biggest aspect of it is just the dehumanization of cultures as aliens. Yep. Like we brought, we brought up the, black coated alien but it's so interesting seeing works from like johnson who's doing this with the world and like tom king who in strange adventures you know he creates those non-iraqi uh aliens who aren't iraqi by the way they're not from iraq they're from this alien planet and they all die <laughs> die like crazy uh <laughs> thanks to at, they die at the hands of our superior blonde hero Adam Strange, and he feels bad about this. 
All right, he feels bad about. Yeah, being, I think, I'm glad he's you very conflicted. So bad. He's very conflicted about because his role. I, this is something that was I was worried about. It's like Bookie Bowl. How uh, how is he taking this? Yeah, you know, at the end of the, <laughs> I'm, I'm very glad. It's like it's like, it's like American Sniper. You know, like I don't care about mm-hmm. you know the the faceless brown men he's killing overseas. I want to know how he's feeling. I want to know how Chris Kyle. Yeah, how does feeling. Rocket Raccoon feel about? Yeah, how this? does Rocket yeah. Raccoon feel about the repercussions of? Um, but it's funny because this isn't the only book that Johnson has written with these kinds of undertones because in 2020, he wrote a one, not a one shot, a, a mini series uh, for an event uh, at Marvel empire event. And his tie in was with unsurprisingly captain America. And, and, and before you go on, mm, before you go on, can I just say one very quick thing Sure. to that you brought up in America is very interesting because even he in his thread brought it up. Oh and yeah, the it's like the next the next tweet was so completely revealing of the way this guy thinks. Oh yeah, because his exact words were that. Keep in mind, keep in mind, the entire point of this thread is that people are saying that they read action comics and it was giving off imperialist colonizer vibes. No one mentioned. And, no one mentioned Empire and, Captain America yep, at all. But he felt yep. the need to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. I was going to add that, like, they, they said it has imperialist, captain, uh, imperialist vibes and that the writer is also from the U.S. Army. So his entire thesis of the third up to this point is that people are reading in imperialist, uh, people are reading an imperialist voice into his work. Yeah, they're reading deep and they're reading it the wrong way. And he's, he's saying all this to say that, like, you can't just say anyone who is a troop will have imperialist politics because... Everyone is so diverse in the army. There's black, brown, gay, non-binary people in the army. So how dare these people associate imperialism with him just because he happens to be an active duty U.S. soldier? Yeah. And I think it's so cool that he did a genuine, like, what do you mean you people, but for the troops? Yeah. yeah. And then he says, after, after he says all of that, he says the tweet that Lan is about to read. So the tweet, so, he, so it's, it's a nice little thread of tweets. And it starts mm-hmm. with, so this is tweet seven in the thread, by the way. He says, mm-hmm. side note. If, perchance, you're using my Captain America miniseries as evidence my stories have military, patriotic, or, in parentheses, he says, I fucking dare you. Nationalist (laughs) leanings? (laughs) Know this. Marvel asked me to do a three-issue Empire Cap tie-in in in which Cap leads the world's armies. Shield was off the tail. (laughs) And again, he says this in paragraphs again. Or parentheses, I should say. Shield was off the table, I asked. Uh, so he asked for Cap so to lead the world's armies and also Shield. And also Shield, but he couldn't get Shield because Shield's Shield got taken down because they were Nazis. For people, for people who don't know, in Marvel Comics right now, there is no Shield because it was revealed that Shield was Hydra, that Shield was a Nazi organization. That's that's, that's okay. Shield that's a whole thing, thing that that we can take a whole other podcast to unpack. But yeah, anyways, of course, of course, that's the like reason the, why he had to. That's, yeah. that's why his hand was forced to use the American force, <laughs> the world's armies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this dude really is the living embodiment of the um, the, the focus group for the, the car and just the old guy saying, oh, my God, he admitted. Oh, my God, he admitted. But that's the thing. The next tweet, he says, against the Kotati, whose sole purpose on Earth was to wipe out all sentient life on Earth. That story was not a debate or a clash of ideologies. It was a super comic-y event tie-in about the would-be end of the human race with magic 
laser guns, and a giant plant monster. The mission statement for the mini was super clear, and we told the story we're proud of, one that accomplished a very specific part of a much larger story. <laughs> so, so Yeah, it's really cool. He's not defensive said, or anything. What this guy has basically said is that Al Ewing was telling some sort of space opera cosmic fantasy, and Marvel was like, you know what this event really needs? This event really needs a book where people can be reminded of like how fucking awesome like Captain America and the troops are all the world's armies. Remember, not just the US yeah, Army, all the right. world's armies. We do and so NATO, baby. Let's yeah, go. NATO. The, the first name, the first name they thought of was Philip Kennedy Johnson, baby. They're like, if we need someone to do this book, it's PKJ. And he's like, hell yeah, a shield on the table. And they're like, no, you can't use shield. He's like, anyhow, let's do it. And this is him defending himself from accusations, <laughs> from accusations of writing imperialist comics. <laughs> That's this stuff was already at the forefront of his mind. Other people might not even have remembered that this book existed because this was like a tie-in of an event from 2020. Yeah, two years ago, so, it's probably not in people's consciousness until he brought it up. You, so, again, maybe this, maybe this just speaks to the terminal Twitter brain of Philip Kennedy Johnson where, you know, like, he has been on the defense for so long that, you know, like... He's he, just at the front of his mind, yeah. you know? He's constantly thinking of this stuff. He, he, he's in the shower thinking of, he's like, like preempting. if someone ever... Yeah, if someone ever... <laughs> if I'm in the shower and someone time, and confronts me with a Captain America... Uh, yeah, he's like, opinion, man, this is, how I'm, this is how I'm going to phrase that thread. It's going to be so sick. I'm going to be like, I'm going to bring up my, my Captain America miniseries where he leads world's armies against a, 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 a sort of, like, Indian-coded foreign invader. Yeah, the foreign invader. You gotta protect yourselves against Indian meaning Native American, of course, not like uh, this. But like, yeah, we're canceling Captain America is defending. (laughs) Captain America is defending the world from the foreign invaders, and like, you know, this thing that that last part that he says is really so like striking to me because he's like. There's no politics in this. It's just a super comic-y event tying about, like, magic and laser guns. And the way they just, like, infantilize this stuff. Where it's the comics equivalent of saying, you know, like, I'm just a little guy. Come on. Come on. Yeah. I'm just a little guy. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> Come on. It's like, these people, these, like, these liberals, like, these sort of, like, this sort of, like, verified Twitter sort of, like, write-up personality dude. Where anytime fans sort of, like, read anything, like milk toast vanilla sort of like baby brain bird food sort of like uh reading very subtextual barely subtextual into their work they're like oh my god i'm so glad you caught this this is really something that i worked hard on you know i can't take all the credit obviously my artist is amazing he can do that that's always fine but the second you say one thing that goes against the party line the second you say something that maybe starts to peel back the facade of you know Quirky, progressive, fun, rainbow, good vibes. The second you're like, hmm, you know, this comic kind of feels like a first worlder saying that he sees the entire formerly colonized world as inherently savage and like maybe every once in a while some really savage person pops up and, you know, America should really be consciously thinking of sending their best to just take care of that, you know, because it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't be such an awful thing. If some of the worst places in the world just, you know, got liberated by American help. And this is out of the goodness of their hearts. This isn't something that anyone is begging them to do. Yeah, you know, it's just America is good. So, to, to second, so, sorry, reason, sorry, I think it's a yeah, time ahead, where ahead, we, we sort of wrap this up. Because I want to talk about the yeah, Twitter yeah, yeah. brain of this all. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, again, 
Philip Kennedy Johnson isn't the only person name searching. He's not the only person making these yeah. passionate defenses it's a very common against, sentiment. you know, <laughs> stupid comics Twitter critics. Um, yeah. But it is interesting how much he leverages his own audience. Because again, it's not like he's yeah. talking into the void. He's talking to his followers uh, mm-hmm. when he's, you know, like saying all this. And it's yeah. interesting. And again, I'm not here to defend comics criticism that in and of itself a whole other podcast i can talk about yeah but it definitely delegitimizes critique because again this man's spending day after day name searching for just to pick apart people who critique his work and it creates a sort of like us versus them mentality against those that are critiquing his work because it builds them up to be the boogeyman right yeah the very second tweet of his thread he's like Tons of people have been super supportive today, but sincerely, there's absolutely no need to pile on anyone. I'm just taking a moment to clarify my own take. I'd like us all to walk away, friends. Hashtag, what would Superman do? So there's this initial sort of like... Uh, uh, wall, he's preempting everything. He's preempting yeah. everything. He knows how people are going to react, and yet he still continues to walk down this path. Because again, he's like, it's like, oh, I've, friends, I've... You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, like I've already... Yeah. I've already handled that as best as I could. I'm sure there's, things will resolve themselves there, fine. <laughs> there's one aspect of this this thread that I, I want to discuss before we move on from PKJ, yeah. and uh, and and it's sort of like what I found the most interesting turn is because when I read this, I was like, I'm not going to read this whole fucking thing. It's fucking U.S. Army guy. <laughs> Fuck this shit. But what was really, and I'm not going to find the exact tweet, but as you go through the thread, there's an interesting heel turn where he goes. Hey, like you said, this was about Iraq. Um, that would be kind of like gauche of me. No, this isn't. I don't know if this is that exactly. But what he does do is he goes, "No, this isn't about Iraq. You want to know what this is about? I didn't even realize it was about this. I PKJ. But what what this ended up being about was the experiences of trafficking victims. Mm-hmm. And In when he's more Maryland, yeah, and and. Yeah, and when he says that, that that really gives away a whole other aspect of, of this man's worldview. Because when I showed that to my my girlfriend and when I showed her some of the stuff you some of the jokes you had made, Para, about you know how, how he was like characterizing how black people would be in a story like this, you know, my, my girlfriend had such an interesting reaction. She's like, Oh, so he's just like monetizing the stories of trafficking victims he's helped? Yeah. And that's like a whole other sickening aspect of this. <laughs> I, I don't have much else to say about that. Like, I just found that so... Picking that apart is just going to take a whole other hour. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, my no, brain no, just we, broke just thinking about that. No, yeah. we, we don't need to, to pick up that much more. It's just, like, it was so much more of this, like, self-congratulations and, like, yep. mm. you don't know me. And it's yeah. like, dude, uh, like... Obvious eats it up. This guy's the most progressive comics writer I've ever seen. I mean, how dare anyone say that this guy might have less than perfect politics. Look at how much thought he's putting right. into his books. It's like, you don't this know me, and then he bang, spends bang, 20 laser explosion. It's like, he says, you know, like, you don't know me, and then he spends 22 tweets, you know, like, giving a great well, case for who he actually is. Yeah, yeah. and I guess, I guess the last thing I have to say about it is, like, you know, speaking of the troops, there's that joke about the, the guy who's always like, oh, well, did you know my cousin is a troop? You know, the guys who like to steal the troop valor. I feel like he did that for trafficking victims. He's like, yeah. oh, well, did you know I help trafficking victims? It's like, yeah. dude, just like, why did you have to make that online? Like, I'm not judging whether or not you're getting into heaven, bro. Like, you didn't have to, like, add that. The guy says, in Action Comics number one, Superman was named the champion of the oppressed. 
Right. That's his justification for all of this. I mean, last thing I have to say, honestly, is just if you follow, if you have a parasocial relationship with a writer on Twitter, all you have to do to maintain that is just reading the most baby-brained interpretation of everything they do. As long as you just look at surface level stuff and say, oh, wow, this was so progressive. I mean, as long as it's so positive, well you know. Yeah, as long as it's right. positive, hey, okay, he's going to like every tweet, he's going to retweet you, he's going to, you know, be your best friend. But the second you yeah. read anything slightly grown up, adult, serious into that, all of a sudden you are one of, you're making noise, you're and it's not being supportive, you. you're, you're making a ruckus, yeah. you're being yeah. toxic, you're being. Basically, you're the other. You're ostracized. You're not part of the club. You know. Yeah. You, you wouldn't. Right. You're not doing hashtag what Superman would do. You're right. Being no, the you're, bad you're guy. doing. Your critique yeah. against the work isn't just a critique against the yeah. work. It's actually right. a critique against the author, and that's bad. Yeah. You're you're, right. you're saying that the author is a bad person. Yeah. And and you're all right. Bad. So, so I think that's a good place to cap that. I mean, we, we're all saying PKJ is a bad person. So yeah. Wait, um, moving wait, wait, on. Hold on. What? <laughs> 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 no, uh, you know, listen, dear listener, we'll let you make up your own mind. We're yeah. this is all uh, just this. This is our literary critique. But yeah. we moving on. To read the oh, what? Okay, one yeah. one last note because I I did note this down. Uh, Ricardo Ferrucci right, did the art from issues ten thirty nine onwards, and it's actually like pretty good. Yes. Like shout out, Rick. Yeah, shout out Federici. Oh, he yeah, did like course, a great work. I mean, on the I'm, one hand, I can tell that the monthly schedule is actually starting to take a toll on his work because you know, like a cutting corn that's a whole other sure. thing but and they're yeah. still in artists still in artists and, and, I, and I, I have to say i would be remiss i would be remiss if i didn't point out that like the actual the only the only thing the only image that he included in the thread that's actually like a page from the thing is like the the second instance of a black alien you know defending her chains and defending her iron and it's actually such a very like well depicted like black character in comics which truly made me happy like even in spite of everything i've said just seeing that woman with like her natural hair and you know the the big nose is sort of like that stuff the artist whoever the artist was, that was like, Daniel fantastic job yeah i mean just excellent the colorist as well fantastic the skin the way the light bounced off like the way black people actually look in like <laughs> special lighting like it was a really really cool depiction of a black character in a comic which was like unequivocally just good job like Regardless of the context, I just have to praise that. It's like, thank you, Dennis and Perry. More of that. We love you. Oh, that's good. We go out on a high note. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I proof that process is not toxic. Mm, I don't know yeah. Thank you. Thanks for the reminder. Um, <laughs> unless I'm skipping over something, did we want to talk about our special precious boys? Yeah. So is this the part where Para mutes himself so we can? Talk? It's up to you, Para. What do you want to do? Uh yeah, I guess I can mute myself since uh, my my guest spot is over. Yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's actually really funny. We're just well, like telling when you can and can't speak. <laughs> it's like, all right, Para, well, time to turn off your mic. Yeah. I, I would not well, complain if I just became like a, a recurring guest on the show, but was never actually a real co-host. Just like a, mm, yeah, a, a, the wage, a sort the of like gap. remote control take machine. Okay, Para, time to speak. Mike the, the and then, okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, before you, you before you meet yourself, I was okay. before you meet yeah, yourself, any last words for the boys, Ramon and Daniel? Oh, uh, obviously, as the intro so beautifully said, critical support as always. You know, we understand that nothing worth doing is 
worth rushing. You know, we, we know that it's something that you're working on that you want to be proud of. And we, I am very sure that when it comes out, we'll also be proud of it. So keep it up, you know, take care of yourselves, stay safe, uh, keep at it. All the best. Thank you. All right. You can meet yourself. Perfect. <laughs> I think Para said that really well. Um, yeah, there, there, there's been, uh, you know, rumblings within the, the MF or community of, of people like just, just, they're just excited. They want, they want their next fix. And, and I get it, yeah. but Lan and I are here to say like, look, we're, we're not, we're not here to pressure our, our special precious boys, Ramon and Daniel. Yeah, we just want to said, something to chew on while they're, while they're waiting. I guess. Yeah. So uh, this is where we talk about what what they've been up to. Did you want to start with Daniel? Oh, uh, am I taking Daniel this time? Perfect. Okay. Cool. Um, so Daniel's up to stuff. So holy what stuff that he's doing with Seth Jacob? Also, a very nice guy. It looks so sick. Shout out Seth. Seth, I hope you're doing well. Um, I'm talking about Seth more than I'm talking about Daniel at this point. I'm still bringing up Daniel's Twitter. Anyways, <laughs> we don't talk about art. We just talk about the writers. <laughs> yeah, we just talk about the writers. You know, that's how you know we're really a comics podcast. <laughs> so Daniel's been posting some really nice art of Chun-Li. He's been doing a lot of retweeting. But most importantly, Holy West is finally done. The first issue was finally done, uh, according to an update from Seth. The physical versions are printed, ready to go. So I think it's just a matter of shipping them. I'm still waiting for mine, so chop chop. Yeah, boys. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it looks, looks fucking awesome. I, it looks. I know. I know. Daniel isn't having. I know it's hard for Daniel not to post about it, but uh, every time I see an update on it, it just looks gorgeous. Yeah, he's doing a lot of basketball, and I think similar to to Daniel, um, Ramon has a, his project that he's uh, he's he's uh, legally not allowed to talk about, but having. I've been we, privy I think, I think we're to, to this for a bad idea. Uh, yeah, we can, we can check just... them if we need. But um, I just all I'll say is I've got a feeling that book is going to be sick. I think it's going to uh, look yeah, love splendid. I think it's going to look absolutely yeah. radical. Yeah, and just to be you know completely real here, like I I I, I want Ramon to be able to like make that book the best it'll be. And as much as I love the Mex Flintio, like making that book good is like the number one priority. So if I, I got it's really dope. The bad idea is also just giving him, you know, like that sort of leeway to, to do it. Like, you know, for as much yeah. as I joked about bad idea in the past, I think, you know, like the focus on the actual artists selves, um, at least from an outsider's well, no. perspective actually seems really good. No, I, I'm really glad you mentioned that because, like, I, I think a lot of people get caught up in, like, debating, you know, whether – they get caught up in purity tests, you mm. know? And and it's like I don't think you have to, like, adore the bad idea model, but, like, it's it's got it, – it is different, right? Like, oh, yeah. What we just spent all that time talking about, like how much this action run sucks, is is being like indicative of like why this this big two centric model and this writer centric model can like fucking suck, yeah, right. And it's like of of what I know of like how fucking cool this this book will be that Ramon is is doing. Like, I, I wish more people would be a little more receptive to how this bad idea model can like really allow comics to be comics yeah i mean I that's a little vague but you know what i mean yeah no because i mean the binge the binge model and the monthly comics model yes. are both very unsustainable models um yes and again like i mentioned a tiny bit with federici's work on action 
you know, like Federici, he's usually on covers and they look magnificent, you know, like beautiful, beautiful painted spreads. But, you know, like his his work in the comics, it's still good, I should say. But, you know, you can really tell that he's having to cut corners and sort of, you know, like take paths that he otherwise shouldn't feel forced to have to take as an artist just to meet that monthly schedule. Uh, and and, yeah, you know, like it, it, it sucks to watch from a side. And again, this isn't like a judgment of his work or his ethic or work ethic, I should say. Um, but I mean, like that happens to everybody that works in monthly comics. Right. You know? No, exactly. They're not, I don't, they're not a workhorse. Basically, right. That, I, I don't think anyone would misinterpret that as a criticism of Federici. I, I think the, the bigger problem here is from the other angle. I, I think the, the problem is that a great uh, amount of comics consumers, comics readers, like can't imagine it being another way. Right. And, and regardless of any criticisms you have of, of that idea, it's like, you know, what, what we know about like how well artists can be treated there, how like good the final product can be. Like I, 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 I want, I'm supportive of anything like that, that can like allow comics to be more to like, let those artists flourish, you know? Yeah, exactly. So we had a whole other segment prior to this, basically a viewer call-in segment. And I say call-in as in C-A-L-L-I-N and not C-O-L-L-I-N. Not shouting out Colin. You know, you burned that guy. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <clears throat> but seeing as there's no one actually here to call us in, um, I guess this is where we sort of advertise our future ventures, which is to say we have no fucking clue. We have no fucking clue what we're going to be doing with this thing. Well, I mean, yeah, this this show might come out before the next episode of Mex Flentile. Ideally, that's we'll, the goal. We'll see. That's the, that's the main reason we re- we're re-recording this thing. Yeah. But yeah, we, we might do this again. We might not. But yeah, anything else you want to cover before we sign off, Lan? I got like about 10 more minutes. Mm, um, comics are crazy, honestly. I've been so like disjointed <laughs> from like as a community uh, for a while now, you know, like whenever I go into my comic shop and I just tell my LCS owner, you know, like, Hey, what's, uh, what's new. And he just gives me like a pile of books, you know, like I, I don't even question what he puts on onto my pile. I just, you know, go with the flow. That's how disjointed I am. From and I think it's always interesting to dip my toe back into these things, especially with, you know, like comics, Twitter stuff. Just because, oh, do you want to talk a little bit about our little encounter with those Twitter stands before we leave? <laughs> oh, um. <laughs> oh, Perry, Perry, Perry team back just for this segment. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, I will say, you know, for the most thorough recap of like Twitter stan insanity, uh, that gutter boys up with, with Gleb and Ramon was, was really good. But yeah, I mean, I. I had actually never had an encounter with Stan Twitter before. And like, I will acknowledge that I was being mentally ill in my own way by engaging. But like, for me, it was more like, I I can look at all the things I said to those people. And I I can say like, I was being direct. I was being confrontational, but I wasn't trying to bully these people. Every, every post I made, I'm saying like, do you actually know what's going on here? Do you like, do you care about learning more? And, and just 
trying to basically engage with these people about like, hey, who is Gleb? Who is the man behind your like cartoon character drawings? Was met with "fuck you, kill yourself." All I'll say is the kids are not all right. Tried to be, you tried to be an adult, and they were not having it. Yeah, you're trying to be an adult yeah. on a kids platform. Well, and like I, I work with kids, and uh, the kids I work with are not like that. Um, and and that's that's why like I wasn't. And a lot I think of it's times, just a like fandom kids... disease too, because again, mm-hmm. Glub mentioned this perfectly in his thread, um, basically, you know, listing out his pathos for not engaging with Stan Twitter. But you know, like that whole summarization, Glub did some fantastic artwork of Talia Al Ghul in lingerie. Uh, someone photoshopped it into that nine uh, eleven pic that Milo Manara uh, drew. Uh, Stan Twitter got angry about it. He said that in that controversy, he realized that Stans don't see him as a person. They just see him as a vehicle to get the content they want, which is, you know, like nice Damien Wayne art. And I think that's absolutely what it is. And I think that is a content delivery mechanism. Yeah. And that's what really boiled it down for me. It's like these are deranged deranged people care only about the content and the purity of the content and not the people who are actually making the work and yeah it kind of just uh ruined my faith in humanity a little bit (laughs) i had to go outside (laughs) well yeah because i I touched a bit of grass there were some people who you know were on our side for lack of a better term who were looking at it and you know their first reaction was just feeling and, and this was from you too land you know just the first reaction is like what is going wrong with these kids lives because like i'm not mad at all about these kids like when i was noticing like wow the third kid is telling me to kill myself i'm like what the fuck are the parents doing here <laughs> i mean okay and i, I, I think uh, i'll give an, a, a bit of insight as a younger person here and did engage with fandom circles when i was younger and i think yep there is sort of like a blindness that fandom affords you just insofar as having that veil in front of you and not really seeing people as people, but rather avatars on a screen. Uh, Especially people who are, sorry to interrupt, but especially people who are like behind the curtain where everyone who isn't working in comics is like normal. And everyone who is working in comics is like on the inside and like a rich and famous person who you can be as mean to as you want yeah. with no repercussions they, because they don't they're care. Getting they're, well. they're getting paid well. They're getting paid to get harassed. Yeah. You know, th- there was one interaction that I specifically want to reference that I found just fascinating. This is, this is the one that I screenshotted. And I, I screenshotted because I didn't want to quote to this person. I didn't want to harass them or anything. But, you know, when I, this person, one, one of these kids was just going off about like how Gleb was just so insensitive and essentially doing hate crimes. It was just like, I noticed this person in their bio, it says, read Mr. Miracle. And I'm like, oh. well, wh- which, <laughs> wh- wh- is this the Mr. Miracle you're talking about? And I, I wasn't trying to do like a gotcha. I'm just like, mm-hmm. is, it, is it this one? Just and it, I'm sorry. I'm just, just I'm sorry. You said that in my mind of me to the fucking ave maria scene from the batman you know right it was saying <laughs> ave maria. it really was that it's, beautiful it's though, so because... beautiful these are beautiful minds right and and, and I, I think it really says a lot about where the stand mind is at like how pick and choose it is because when i showed them the tom king mr miracle the response was just better than anything i could hope for they said yeah i can separate the art from the artist 
Incredible. Incredible. It just it works on so many levels, you know. Like they probably didn't put a single bit of thought into that response. They probably didn't think about like mm-hmm. what that would mean for their whole yeah. fucking argument. And I think that's just yeah. beautiful. Twitter is just a beautiful place. Fandom, beautiful. Stands, they're all so, so beautiful. Mentally. Right. And I, I yeah, no, and I think it, it it showed me a lot because it wasn't just like how insane the politics of that statement was like the real world politics. I think the, the Twitter politics of it were really interesting because it's like, well, no, I reject an artist like Gleb because he's, you know, making ironic jokes and I have to think about what he's trying to say here. Right. Where, and, and I, I can misinterpret some of this as uh, bigoted if, if I am feeling that way versus someone like Tom King, who just, is always like you know carrying himself with that that sort of liberal sincerity, mm. right? Yeah. It's like Tom King knows how to be a good boy. Yeah, online. exactly. He's a good boy online. Mm-hmm. He doesn't act up. You know, he doesn't speak against. Never catch him sleeping. Yeah, exactly. And that that was like really fascinating into these these kids' the minds. Purity like, isn't just well, wow, like it's of the creators too. A, a certain purity is expected. A certain compliance is expected of. You have to creators. be a good boy. Yeah, you got to be a good boy. Good guy rolls only. Yeah. Right. And like, I, I really saw like, oh, Stan Twitter, like, is just teaching you how to be a cop. Like, yeah. fucking great. Awesome. Yep. Always the motherfuckers with ACAB in bio. Yes. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. Oh, I was just going to make a joke where it's like, you put the fucking communist symbol in your bio and it's like, read Sheriff of Babylon. <laughs> 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 I think that's the perfect note to end this on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, thank you all for listening, all five of you who will listen to this and accompanying us on this wild ride of uh, foreign film, comics criticism, supporting the troops, all that. Um, like I said, we don't know if we'll do this again. We might. We might not. Um, but once again, like, like Lan and I said earlier, this is, this is for uh, all, the, all the gremlins, all the goblins out there. Um, hope you enjoyed if, if it, I'll say this, if needed, we'll do this again. Yeah. If another um, emergency before, comes up. Exactly. Yeah. Um, before I sign out, Lan, is there anything you want to plug? Yeah. On a more serious note, just because I had all those shout outs in the beginning, some proper acknowledgements, um, solidarity with people in Palestine and all the indigenous peoples around the world fighting for their land, but also just their right to exist. Uh, shout out to those fighting for union and labor rights. Um, and shout out to those fighting against oppressive structures all around the world. Yeah. Um, I don't need to go into it too much, but uh, the, the the news about the Starbucks unionization has been really interesting to yeah. follow. And Shout out to I've, Tyler. I've My buddy friend. Tyler is on the forefront of that, and he's been doing absolutely fan-fucking-tastic. So, yeah. great work. I have a friend, too, who's trying to do that. And I, I it's like, you know, it's... Not obviously always something you can feel like you're on the winning side of, but like there is progress being made and it's, it's cool to see people struggle. Yeah. I, I think it is something that truly like helps lift me out of any nihilistic pits. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, everything land said stand with uh, the oppressed. Um, and I guess selfishly, I'm going to plug my YouTube. Oh shit. I should be um, plugging my YouTube too. Y- 
You should be plugging your YouTube. Yeah, I, I've, Actually, I've stalked yours a little bit. Yeah, I haven't touched that. I was going to say, you, like me, are a little behind on posting. Oh, but, hey, yeah. just because our stuff is old, maybe we have oldies, but they're not moldies. Oh! Um, I make... <laughs> hey! I make my shit to last, and I've watched your shit, and I know you do too. So um, go over to Lan's channel if you want to watch some like good comics criticism. It's Lan's um, L-A-N-S-V-I-D-S. And then go to mine. I don't know my channel, but we just search um, Let me just I Google Salt-, Salt and Bank YouTube channel real quick and see what – Yeah, well, Salt I am Bank? Salt and Bank M, M like but, morning. Yeah, I know. I – some I, I'm really bad at plugging my own shit, but uh, Salt M Bank on Twitter and my YouTube link is in my bio. Yeah. Movies I make, yeah, my stuff's not really comics related so much. Just a lot of uh, I, I don't know st- storytelling, uh, comedy, physical comedy. That's you good. Watch that's that's that always good to have that variety. Yeah, yeah. My Twitter, I cool. forgot to plug that. That's L A N T W E E T S post prayers occasionally i post about agony all the time hell yeah and uh last thing i'll say before we go listen to mex Plantayo, the real yes, one the real one or else you're gonna sign us off here land oh yes um have yourselves a damn good one and see you on the flip side <laughs>